we often say here at our Southeast Raleigh table that we show up and we show up for each other. And um, sometimes we may not, may not be able to always show up physically. We may not always be able to show up with like resources, monetary resources, or with gifts that come in tangible forms. But we can show up for one another through the power of prayer. Um, and I would say um, of this community that um, at, in any given season, whether you're on the top of a mountain or you find yourself journeying through the valley of the shadow of death, there is someone who's going to call you a friend that they um, will pray for that they will offer up generous words over your life when you feel like there um, is no generosity, when your life feels like it's scarce or on the brink of, um, of death. And so uh, for uh, Donna, Reverend Dr. Donna Coltrane Battle, you gotta say her whole name, you know? Um, we give God thanks and praise, but I want, this, I want you to know this, is that all of you have a Donna here in this place. That's the gift that you get when we choose um, to take vows to be a part of a community, is that we don't have to do anything on our own. When we cannot mouth the words on our own, there is someone who's actually sitting behind you or in front of you or beside you who will consider it pure joy, pure joy to say, may the God of life kiss your death and make it something beautiful. So thank you, thank you. Thanks be to God. If you were with um, our church community last Sunday, we were worshiping in a different space at Milner Memorial Presbyterian Church. Um, there are two words that I would say kind of summed up our Easter celebration, glorious and celebratory. I mean, we rocked out. It was like the closest to being Methopentecostal that I've ever felt. Um, and, and I was happy. I was really, really, really happy. Um, it was something so beautiful for people to press in, wherever you are in your uh, season of life, to press in and to truly believe that there is something um, very real about the resurrection um, power of, of Christ Jesus. And this is the gift of Easter, is that Easter, like Christmas, is not a day. It is a season. I want you to turn to someone and say, Easter is a season. Easter is not a day. Easter is not a day. Okay, you didn't have to say that, but thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Easter is not a day. It is a season. In fact, Easter spans 50 days, which uh, sums up to about seven Sundays. So over the next um, about two months, we are going to lean into stories of, uh, the, that, that help us to, re to remember and to reflect on the resurrection power of Jesus. And I think that's so important, um, that we would actually live into the Easter season, because sometimes new life can feel like an ethereal concept or like some theological notion, but not like an actual reality. And so if on the first Sunday of Easter, it didn't feel quite like you were hearing good news and you get a second Sunday, which is this Sunday. And if on the second Sunday, it doesn't feel like it's good news, you get a third Sunday. And if on the third Sunday, you still feel like, mm, what is this all about? You get a fourth Sunday. And if on the fourth Sunday, you still feel like you have um, had the breath knocked out of you, you get a fifth Sunday. And if the fifth Sunday doesn't do it, then you get a sixth Sunday. And if the sixth Sunday doesn't do it, you get the seventh Sunday. And then every single Sunday from the seventh Sunday in Easter, we consider it to be a little resurrection day, which is why on Sundays we always invite those who are in the Christian uh, tradition or the Christian faith not to fast on a Sunday because it is a day of feasting. It's a day that we remember that Christ has been raised for us over and over again so that we might know what it is to lead new life. But I recognize this, sometimes this proclamation that resurrection is real doesn't feel so real based on our circumstances. Sometimes it takes a little bit of convincing. Sometimes it takes a little bit of touching the resurrection or hearing the resurrection 
in order to believe that resurrection is true for you, true for me, and true for this world. So hear now these words uh, in John chapter 20, uh, beginning with the 19th verse. And this is what the scripture says. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him. They proclaimed good news to him. We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Again, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And will you pray with me? Our Lord and our God, we're asking you in the power of the word to dwell among us. We're asking that in the power of the word that you might speak to us and speak to us a word that will give us life. Would you turn down the volume on all the other voices that would seek to distract us, even our own voices, telling ourselves what we have done and what we have left undone so that we might be present to your still, small voice alone. Take my words hostage, O oh God, and make them your words alone. Speak to us, O oh God, for your servants are listening. This, O oh God, we pray to you in the strong name of your son, Jesus, the risen Christ, who speaks peace over us this day. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I want to tell you um, a story. It was a, a story that happened to me um, a couple of year, years ago. So one Easter, uh, when I was kind of at a tender kind of breaking point in my life, um, I had a conversation after um, our Easter Sunday morning worship services with another colleague. Now let me just tell you um, something about this colleague. This colleague and I, um, we embody different kind of energy. This particular colleague is the kind of person who's like, oh, butterflies, boo, puppies never bring joy. Um, we just have a different energy, okay? And um, after this Easter worship service, uh, this colleague looks at me and in a sarcastic, kind of snarky way, says to me, well, wasn't that grand? <laughs> Butterflies, puppies, I understand. Easter Sunday, totally different, uh, different um, 
reaction that I had not anticipated. I mean, we had had members of the symphony in worship. We had sung the Alleluia Chorus at the end of worship. I mean, friends, when you play the trumpet, you think Jesus is going to show up at your Easter service. All of our worship services were packed. I'm talking about thousands of folks showed up. And my colleague's comment at the end of the worship services was, well, wasn't that grand? How can someone be sarcastic and snarky on an Easter Sunday? Of all the Sundays, maybe most Sundays in my, our church community or in other church communities are a janky hot mess, but I promise you something. <laughs> almost anywhere you're going to show up on an Easter Sunday, it is going to be glorious and celebratory. On a worse day, most churches can show up for Easter Sunday. Well, wasn't that grand? <laughs> but here was the thing. When I left church that afternoon and got home, I sat in my driveway in my car for about an hour. I felt defeated. I didn't feel more joyful. I didn't feel uh, more happy. I didn't feel more content. I didn't feel less restless. I didn't feel more um, hopeful. I sat in my car for an hour because I literally did not have the energy to get out of the car and to go into the home and to recognize my lonely, sad existence by myself on that Easter Sunday. Really, the only difference between me and my colleague who made that snarky comment is that uh, when this colleague walks into spaces, they walk into spaces automatically assuming they're going to be disappointed. I walk into spaces with a, a hope-filled kind of anticipatory uh, feeling about what that space might give me, uh, but I walked out disappointed. The only difference is that I just was not courageous enough when my uh, colleague said, well, wasn't that grand, to actually be honest that I didn't feel anything either yeah. that Easter Sunday. that it felt like Easter missed me. That everyone could sing the words and believe the words and, and lean into the words, but I felt that Easter, like Easter missed me. I sat in my car for an hour because I was at a breaking point in life. So who cares that we sang the Alleluia Chorus and who cares that members of the symphony were in worship and who cares that our church uh, services were packed because it felt like Easter missed me. Julia Esquivel, who is one of my favorite poets, she has this poem that's called um, Threatened by Resurrection. And in her poem, she says this, that because uh, Jesus has overcome the grave, all of our lives have been threatened by the reality of the resurrection. And because our lives have been threatened by the reality of the resurrection, that we can live unafraid, that we can take to the streets with our major hallelujahs, that we need not live in fear or in bondage any longer. But I recognize though my dear sister Julia Esquivel has penned these beautiful words, that it is very easy to proclaim resurrection with our lips and yet not feel like resurrection has touched our lives. Hear me when I say this. We can sometimes say resurrection with our lips, yet we do not feel like resurrection has touched our lives. This Monday, following Easter Sunday, I began planning the funeral for a 64-year-old who had died too soon. And then someone in our community um, found out some really difficult news about their child. 
On Tuesday, there was someone in our community who had to go back and forth, back and forth between doctors here, there, and everywhere just to learn that there um, indeed was something going on with their child. On Wednesday, uh, th there was an emergency surgery, and there was someone in our community whose life was marked by loss. On Thursday, there were people who felt like they were on the brink of death that you might be sitting beside right now. And then on Friday, we laid in the ground, this father, this grandfather, this husband, this friend, this loyal person who died too soon, who actually died the Saturday before Easter Sunday. This first week of Easter, the first seven days of the 50 days of Easter has felt like hell for some people. It's felt more like death than life for some people. And it might even feel more like death than life for you. That you are holding on. That you are wondering, when is my life going to be threatened by this reality that Jesus has overcome the grave? And so we can find a little bit of hope, though, in this story. Let me tell you about the first couple of verses uh, in the 20th chapter of John's Gospel that I didn't read. It basically recounts um, the resurrection of Jesus, where Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and she notices that the, um, the entrance of the tomb is empty. So then she goes back to the disciples and tells the disciples, Jesus was not in the tomb when I got there and the entrance of the tomb was empty. Then two of Jesus' disciples ten, decide they're going to do a 5K and they on a foot race, it says they run. And if you read this passage of scripture, it's all about who can outrun the other. So they run, they run to the tomb, not shuffle. They run to the tomb. One disciple goes in, the other disciple becomes courageous enough, the second disciple goes in. And it says at the end of this particular uh, rendering of the Easter story that they all believed even though they could not understand. I want you to hear this. The point of these individuals going to the tomb and after seeing the evidence of Jesus not there, they believed even though they could not understand. But the response to the resurrection of not seeing Jesus in the tomb, of having his linen cloth laying somewhere on the side knowing that he is no longer bound by death, the reaction of the disciples to the resurrection is, Let's get behind closed doors. Hey, 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 Peter, did you lock that door? Peter, mm -mm. wiggle it one more time now, with, uh, Peter. They are now behind locked doors. Sometimes I don't think you really are hearing what's happening. Jesus has overcome the grave. Jesus has taken death to a tipping point. Jesus has taken everything that would ever threaten to kill us to the very depths and has now brought it back to new life. Jesus says that I am now the king of all that would try to undo you. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And the response to the resurrection, friends, is, you know what? Let's hide, shut the door, lock, 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 lock. It's like one of those marriage proposals that goes wrong <laughs> on the big screen, where a person gets a marching band at a public event, calls uh, 
their beloved down, gets on a knee, offers up the proposal, and the person runs in the opposite direction. That's not how we thought it was going to play out. Well, that's how uh, it is in this passage of scripture. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Their lives have been threatened by resurrection. They know that they have now been uh, invited into new life, and the disciples decide, you know what, the appropriate response to resurrection is to lock ourselves behind closed doors. But it says that um, the disciples were afraid for the fear of the Jews. Because when Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had been raised, uh, the religious authorities came after them because life actually threatened their position and their authority. They were afraid because they saw what happened to people who aligned themselves um, with this man named Jesus. They were afraid because their present circumstances were actually risky. And so even though they had proof of the resurrection, they also understood the risk of their everyday existence on this earth. They knew that Jesus is real, but they also knew that their troubles were real. How long have some of you been waiting for resurrection to feel so real for you? How long have some of you been waiting to actually feel that resurrection is making a difference in your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday, maybe even your Sunday mornings? Well, here's the good news, friends. Jesus doesn't make an announcement before he comes to show himself to the disciples. He drops by unexpected. And when he drops by unexpected, Jesus does not begin to reprimand the disciples. Jesus doesn't begin to look at them like, what are you people doing? Jesus doesn't say to them, I cannot understand how you could not believe in what happened to me. You said you were my friends. You remember what I stooped down and I washed your feet or when I told you that I'm going to be resurrection in life. Did you not listen to me? Jesus did none of that. Instead, Jesus, when he comes unexpected through a closed, locked door, speaks these words over the disciples, peace be with you. Then before they ask for any proof, he shows them his hands and also the wound in his side. Then he tells them again, peace be with you. You know what? In all the times that I've ever read this passage of scripture, I did not realize that Jesus kept on saying it over and over again. And then after Jesus said, peace be with you for the second time, after he showed them the wounds and also said, peace be with them the first time, he then breathes over them his spirit to clothe them with the power that was able to raise him. Okay, but Thomas wasn't there. You know, and Thomas, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first go round. Can I tell you how many days the disciples found themselves after Jesus had shown up to them and said, peace be with you two times and showed them his hands and his side and then and clothed them with the Holy Spirit. It says a week later, they're in the same room, behind a shut door. Thomas was there, though. And it says that Jesus, even though the door was closed, came through the door. And then does what? Reprimands the disciples? 
ask them what they've been doing for the last seven days. Wonders why they aren't going to operate out of the power of the Spirit. No, 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 no. Instead, Jesus says, peace be with you. And then says, come here, Thomas. I'm not going to just show you. No, no, no. You, can put, you, you need to touch. You put your hands in my hands. Thomas, you put your hands in my side. The good news, friends, is that when you feel like Easter has missed you, when you feel like you are on the brink, when you know that your life circumstances haven't changed on Monday after Easter or the Tuesday or the Wednesday or the Thursday or the Friday or the Saturday, I cannot tell you when, I cannot tell you how, but this I can say to you, Easter knows how to get through closed doors. Jesus will find you on the other side. Jesus will find you in the pit. Jesus will find you on your mourner's bench. Jesus will find you in the doctor's office. Jesus will find you on the other side of the line with a person who is screaming at you or weeping over you. Jesus will get through the places of risk, the circumstances, the closed doors, the closed hearts, that I cannot make it another day. Easter will bust through your doors. I always feel compelled the second Sunday of Easter to preach a sermon quite like this. What if you're still depressed? What if you're still sad? What if your marriage isn't yet reconciled? What if your kids are just driving you crazy? What if your bank account did not rise again? What if you still feel the pain in your back, in your head, in your stomach, in your heart? What if the people who we believe are going to come back to you have not even picked up the phone to text you? What do you do? And I always want to offer up a word of grace to you that I can get it that I understand when it feels like Easter has missed you. Like maybe somehow, maybe Jesus isn't an equal oppor uh, opportunity resurrection giver. Maybe it's for the 99, but you are the one who just didn't get to bump into the hem of his garment. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know how. I don't know when. But Easter will find you on the other side of the door. Easter will find you on the other side of your situation, Easter will find you on the other side of your sadness. Easter will find you on the other side of your depression. Easter will find you on the other side of your failing marriage. Easter will find you on the other side of your diagnosis. Easter will find you on the other side of your sinfulness, your addiction, your brokenness. Easter will find you on the other side of your pit. Easter will find you on the other side when you go through the valley. Easter will find itself to you. So hear this word of grace. Maybe you are too tired to run after hope. And you're too tired to run after resurrection. As the psalmist says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. It actually should be translated. Surely mercy and goodness shall race after you. Literally, that's what it says, that surely goodness and mercy shall chase after you. That's how it's best translated in the Hebrew. Yes. Friends, Easter people, 
Maybe you find yourself behind locked doors. Surely resurrection will chase after you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.